Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. This morning, I just want to share... Uh, a message that has probably been going through my mind and in my own prayer life and I feel God keeps bringing me back to, if I'm honest, probably over 18 months, but more, uh, more consistently over the last six to nine months. Uh, and a lot of it stems from this story in Mark chapter two. It says this, it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men carried, arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And there they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Can I just say to the church that you, you need to make sure you've got some friends like this. You need to have some friends who are dedicated for, the best, for your best. Some friends around your life, this is why we say, hey, get in a small group. Some people who, when, when life is going hard, when things are tough, when, when you're in a situation that you, there is, seems to be no hope, that they will do whatever is required to get you to the feet of Jesus. We all have people in our life that when we're complaining and when things are hard and when we're not in the right scenario, we'll sit around and whinge with us. All right, we've got those people. What we need is the people who will point us and bring us back to the feet of Jesus and saying, we can complain all we like, but there is one who can heal. There's one who can restore and we can redeem. We need these people in our lives. And as a church, we need to commit ourselves to saying, I'm going to be that friend is whatever the obstacle is, whatever the inconvenience or discomfort that I might feel, I wanna do whatever I need to do to, to tear the roof off my excuses and get people to the feet of Jesus. It is uncomfortable. And what if they say this? And what if they say that? And what if I, I miss out in these regards? But it doesn't matter. I, whatever it takes, I need to get them to Jesus, yeah? Let's be those people. We all love having those people, but let's commit ourselves that when people are in a scenario where they need a touch from God, I'm not just gonna sit and help them complain, I'm gonna take them to Jesus as well, yeah? Anyway, it continues. That's a free point for you. You're welcome. Verse five, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, uh, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Watch what you think around Jesus, hey? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? You find textbooks still arguing that. Theologians still don't agree what's easier. Well, Jesus made it clear, I thought. Anyway, he says, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out uh, through the stunned onlookers. Fair enough. Imagine coming through the roof and walking out the door. Whew. Power move. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this. <clears throat> Anyone seen anything like that? Fair enough to be stunned, I reckon. Last week we had a great testimony of a young, uh, one of our young adults. She, as I believe, at the gym and a man fell over, para, um, 
Unconscious, stopped breathing, heart stopped. That is the definition of dead in my world. Uh, and after they called triple zero and everyone was panicking, she realized, hang on, I believe that in this kind of stuff, don't I? So I walked over and started praying. Uh, and after a little while of praying, all of a sudden, <gasps> man starts breathing, pops up and is perfectly fine. How good is this? <laughs> Never seen anything like that before. Uh, she hadn't at that time and not many people in here, I believe, would have. What a great miracle. We should be believing for these kinds of things more and more. Why? Well, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us still. He's not aging. He's not running out of energy. He's not tired and bored of us. He is still there. But that is not the greatest miracle in this story either. Is here I find a, a really, we, I love seeing Jesus respond to people in a way that just doesn't seem to fit the conversation. Here a man comes in, drops from through the ceiling for the purpose of walking. Paralyzed man drops in. <clears throat> and what does Jesus say to him? Your sins are forgiven. Now either Jesus has completely misread the room. <laughs> he has misunderstood what is going on or it is Jesus is the only one in the room that truly understands. It's, it, we have to see it this way, church. Because he would say, your sins are forgiven. I, if I were that guy, I'd be like, awesome. Still can't walk. Tis why I arrived, Jesus. It's why the friends damaged property, Jesus. Like, I'm glad that you have forgiven me. But still, my predicament is still looking bleak. The outlook is not, is not great. My six-year-old son asked us, based on the song lyrics the other day, about going is the future really looking bright, guys? Like he was just in a song, the future is looking bright. I'm like, oh, that's a philosophical question, isn't it? But let's not get there. Just, yeah, it's looking bright, man. And he's like, oh, awesome, great. But in this, this man's, you go, great, thank you for the free forgiveness, Lord, but what is going on? And ultimately he did heal the man. Don't, let's not forget that as we go along today. Jesus healed him. He walked out of that place. They did not elevator him back up through the roof that he walked out, fantastic, the miracle of God. But here I find Jesus is revealing something to them and revealing something to us that Jesus knew that the physical condition, in fact, was not this man's biggest problem. Is that his circumstance, his external situation, even to the point of his physical ailment was not this man's greatest problem that there was an internal and an eternal need that was far greater than just his healing. And it is so hard for us to grab hold of that truth when we are going through it, is that Jesus is looking at us saying, all these things that we are believing for, all these things we are praying for are fantastic, let's not stop. But can I encourage, let's not stop at those points. Is that Jesus is calling us deeper, is that there is greater need than just our comfort. That there is greater need than just our external circumstances, good car parks and annual pay rises. Come on, not bad things. Let's keep believing for them. But we cannot stop there when Jesus consistently calls us further and saying that there is a greater need. And one day we will realise this to an even further level, that there is something deeper and honestly more important. This has been something that I, I've witnessed in, in multiple family members that I have. 
going through awful diagnosis, going through awful kind of physical situations that I go, Lord, we're believing for a miracle and we are still believing for a miracle. That God is in the business of the miraculous, of healing, of resurrection, of redemption. And we're going to see it in the name of Jesus. But along the way, the revelation that keeps being revealed to me makes me feel barely Christian, hey, is that what He is doing in me is far greater than what He could ever just do to me. I get so convicted talking to people that have got this understanding of going, this is but just a short journey. But what Jesus has done in me will last for eternity. Church, we need to get hold of this understanding again that yes, we need to see our atmosphere, our environments change. We need to see the providence, the blessing of God, the favour of God. This is not negating any of that. We walk in favour. We expect it because of who is our Father. We're living under His house. Come on, on His bill, yeah? My kids do not need to provide for themselves because their Father does. Our Father is a good. He's way better than I could ever be. But at the same time, as we grow and as we mature, we need to grab this understanding of He has done something so great and significant that whenever this runs out, I step into something even better, something that could never be taken away from me. And while I'm believing for it now, this is the good news about salvation, right? That it, it, salvation is not on lay-by. It does not kick in at a certain time. Come on, eternity just means never ending. We are in eternity now because we're not ending. God is not ending. Heaven is not ending. We want to see heaven come now and step into it fully forever one day, whenever that is. But I will not trade heaven for my comfort. And Jesus is revealing here going, hey, this is not like it. Being paralyzed is negligible. It's not something small and don't, don't just push it away, whatever. It's no big deal in comparison to heaven. He said, I'll get there. But first and foremost, there is a greater need that this man has. See, Jesus saying you're forgiven tends to apply that this man has made an offense against him. We're generally not in the habit of going up to strangers randomly who we've never met before saying, oh, by the way, I forgive you. That would, it'd be a strange starter to the conversation. I have no idea who you are. But there's, he's saying, hey, you, you've been forgiven. You're like, cool, I've never met you before. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. That's why they said, well, that's a bit blasphemous because only, he's probably only sinned against God, not you. Who are you? Not knowing who he was. And so this idea that he's been forgiven for something, that there was obviously an offence going on here. Now, I'm not saying that his sin caused the sickness. Don't go there. But what I'm saying is Jesus read that there was sin regardless now, sometimes we just summarize sin as doing the naughty things, yeah? Do, I did the wrong thing. I did the lusting, the lying, the swearing, the laughter, the joke I shouldn't have, you know, <laughs> post a comment that I shouldn't have. Uh-oh. <laughs> we tend to think that that is, is what we're defining when, it, when we're talking about sin, but a better definition would be to live without, uh, live without reference to God is saying, I'm going to make my choices my way. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to choose my will over your will. I'm going to live at any moment without reference to God. I'm the King, the Alpha, Omega, what I say goes. I think it brings the beauty of the gospel and the story of Easter even greater when you look at going, at any point that my life might not be glorifying God in the manner that He's worthy, which is never. 
I can never bring him glory to the level that he deserves. And this is what makes the gospel, the message of Jesus, so much more beautiful and amazing, why we worship passionately and be so grateful and thankful because there's not a moment in my life that I could ever be what God deserves me to be. I can never give Him the love and the honour and affection. I can never live within complete reference to Him in all of my decisions as much as I try. Even if I withdraw and don't do a bad thing once again, it's not just that. He's called me to do good godly things. So in withdrawal, I'm not living within reference. I'm not glorifying him to the point. That's why I just stand at the front often and just look at this cross, I love it. And just go, oh Jesus, thank you so much for what you did. Even in the midst of worship, I cannot glorify you enough. And I am diminishing probably your image at all moments. But because of Jesus, you have reached across the gap that my sin has created and pulled me over into heaven. I never deserved it. And yet your grace is sufficient to overcome all of my errors, all of my mismarks, all of my dishonouring decisions. When I ignore you, or even when I try, I'm referencing, referencing you so small. And here we see that Jesus acknowledges that there is a, there's been a sin here, there's been an offence that, that he's lived without reference, not to cause this, but even in that situation, that he's missed the mark. See, the main problem that he had was not just the suffering in which he was living with. The main problem he had was still internal and eternal. I like how Jesus says, this is it's pretty drastic, but I reckon he's got to listen to him. It's red letters, right? Matthew 18. It says, so if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Hey, no one's got that verse tattooed on their arm, right? <laughs> you wouldn't because you'd cut it off if you liked it. Anyway. <laughs> It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands and your feet. See, that's a verse I think that most of us, if we're honest, disagree with, is that we would take a miracle now rather than heaven later. Goes on, it says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. These are tough things to grab a hold of. This is why, I just, as I said, you might join me a little bit now looking at the cross going, oh, thank you, Jesus. For oh, I can enter into heaven with both hands and feet and both eyes. He's making the point about going, hey, there is a serious thing here. That there is something that you have greater needs. That there is a deeper need that can only be healed and restored by Jesus. That there, it is there. And often you might join with me in the idea that when we pray, I tend to focus on external comforts, that I want things removed from my life and I want things fixed and I want nice things added, yeah? And those are not bad things. In no way am I saying stop praying and believing for that. We know who our Father is, fantastic. But every time that I get there, I feel like I go full stop just before I sneak an amen in, I feel the Holy Spirit says, and? Come on, let's go a little. You have deeper needs, Doug. I will, I will get there. But the work that he really wants to do in my life, and I feel that he keeps saying to us as a church, the work that he really wants to do in your life is a deeper need. As I feel that Jesus wants to speak to you about going, hey, 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 just, you are forgiven. That his grace is there for you. That he wants to do a work in your life, not just work on your life to be transformed. 
to be made new, to become the people that he created and called us to be, not just to have the things that he wants us to have, not just to experience the things that he, he will want us and, and will help us experience, but to do that internal work within us that will last forever. Even the ailments that I have, that I keep believing that God will heal me. I go, I would not trade this miracle for the miracle of my salvation. I feel like, like you know, Paul, how he says, you've got a thorn in my side, Lord, take it from me. And I asked three times, but no, well, you're not taking it from me, Lord, well, I'll just plow ahead anyway. I'm not giving up on this. So let's not stop asking for miracles, but let's not stop at that point. Let's not stop believing for what God could do in our circumstance, but let's not just stop at our circumstances. Let's go into a deeper need. I'll keep going through this for you. Luke 7, Jesus says, this is a paraphrased version of, of this verse, those who have been forgiven much tend to be the ones who love much. When we understand that I've been forgiven a great deal, it is easy to love. It is easy to be thankful to God. It's easy to worship God and go, well, you who cares who's around? Thank goodness, I know what internal state I was in. And now, because of Jesus, because I've been forgiven, because of the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. Woo, how good is this deal? It's the one, we, we are the ones that love much. And I think the problem on the, on the reverse here sums up a lot of my Christian kind of life. The times I've been stagnant, the times I've been apathetic, the times that I've rolled plenty of times in church and maybe a bit of a commentary on where Western church culture has been is we have lost the revelation of how much we have been forgiven. Is that we tend to think we're okay. We have like this Christian buffer zone, I do. This Christian buffer zone, hey? You go, well, I'm in here. I'm not as good as I might want to be or think I should be or you know, I don't quite read as much of the Bible as I want. But uh, I'm not here. (laughs) So I'm kind of in the buffer zone, I'm in the sweet spot, yeah? In the sweet zone. I'm not as bad as, and you've all got someone in reference. I remember young, overhearing people kind of debate going, well, I might be addicted to that substance, but at least I'm not addicted to that one. Kind of felt like, hey, neither are good, right? I mean, you're not addicted to apples, yeah? Like, or water or something. It's, you're kind of measuring, you're using the wrong yardstick to see if how things are going. <laughs> And we have this kind of buffer zone of going, well, I'm not too bad. I kind of got a memory verse, but everyone's got John 3.16, so we'll wipe that one away. I've got more than that. Uh, I've got a few Greek words that Doug throws at me. We, got, we kind of think that we're going okay and we lose reference to God and how much He has actually done in our life, that we start to find our love is diminished, our passion, our zeal for the things of God are starting to slip. And it's, it's, then it becomes easy to focus on our external circumstance, our external comforts. Because me, I'm okay, these are the problems. They are the problems. This person who texts me, they're the problem. You know, this comfort is the problem, so Lord, fix that. Whereas when we have this revelation of how much it is that we've been forgiven and the price that Jesus paid, we start to realise going, oh Lord, I was the problem. And what you have done, you, literally, you could do nothing in my life and yet still what you have already done deserves me to give everything I've got. Like sometimes we do some theological gymnastics to get out of stuff, don't we? Of why I don't have to give and why I don't need to pray much and why I don't have to do that and do this. And we, we try to, but when we just come back to when we understand how much it is we've been forgiven, we are the ones who tend to love a lot. Just go, yeah, Lord, Whatever. 
Here I am, send me, Lord. And so Jesus continues to reveal these things more and more. He goes, John chapter four, verse 10. He meets this woman at a well and he kind of blows her mind by saying a few things that she's been up to without knowing her, some of the life choices that she's been making. And she's of an ethnicity that Jesus' ethnicity, they do not mix. And so Jesus says, hey, would you get me a drink from the well? And she's like, why are you asking me? You shouldn't be even be talking to me. Uh, and, and as the conversation goes on, this is one of the things Jesus says, is if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If only you knew who it was. If only you knew that who it was here that was just asking you for just a physical drink of water. You would be like, no, Jesus, I have a greater need. There's a deeper need within me. See, the physical need is really just the secondary to the spiritual need that we have and the one that he can fulfill. His spiritual, his living water is the thing that satisfies our soul and redeems and restores. And often we're just happy with a little drink of water. Would you, would you it just change my external circumstance? See, when you see Jesus, he was fasting and being tempted by the devil all these times. He said this, uh, the devil said, turn this rock back into bread, but Jesus responds in Matthew 4. Verse 4, he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, I can starve naturally as long as I do not starve spiritually is that my natural body is weak as long as my spirit isn't weak, that I have all that I need. As I keep coming back to, I know a lot in my life is that I have neglected one. And I wanna encourage us, let's not neglect either. Let's not neglect going, Lord, I want my daily bread. That's the way we've been told to pray, yeah? Give us today our daily bread. But greater than that as well, as well, is I need something spiritual that sustains me and feeds me. I said, Lord, I, I, I want a miracle. But while I'm praying for a miracle, Lord, I want to experience an even greater miracle that will last for eternity. Lord, I want my circumstances to change, but even greater than that, Lord, do something in me in the waiting. Do a work, do a transformation, reveal yourself more, help me become more and more like you in the process that I just don't wanna live on bread alone, car parks, pay rises and comforts. I wanna live on something that will sustain me for all of eternity. Like the man that was dropped in front of Jesus. We want to see a miracle. But Jesus, I know that you wanna do a miracle forever in his life. Let's be a people who are hungry for the both that God has for us. It's easy to fall into the trap to thinking that external upgrades will have an internal effect. When I get more money, then I can be generous. When I have more time, then I will dedicate more time to God. When I am in this situation, when I am less stressed, then I will. And we focus on our external circumstances and get caught up on that. Whereas what Jesus is wanting to say is it doesn't work that way. And I don't believe it will ever work that way. Of money doesn't make people generous. They might give a lot of money, but it does not change the grip that it has on their heart. It doesn't make them generous. On just time in your schedule will not mean that you use it wisely. I found out the hard way, just having many opportunities does not mean you take the right one. It's that God wants to do something within us because it's who you become that determines what you do and what comes around you, yeah? He wants us to become people. Look, Mark 8, 36, another Jesus one. 
If you're keeping count as well, I've used all four Gospels. You got bingo this morning, yeah? 836, it says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? See, Jesus isn't talking here about the destination. He's not saying you'll lose your soul as in total damnation in hell. That's not what he's talking. He's using this phrase as a diagnostic, a diagnosis. In the same way that we would say when someone says that they go for West Tigers, we'd say, you're losing your mind. Yeah? (laughs) New South Wales will win the origin. You've lost your mind. Is he saying, what's the point of, it's not that we don't know where your mind is, it's just that the diagnosis is it's just gone off track. Same way that you can have a flash car, it can have the greatest engine, the nicest accessories, and uh, air conditioning, wow. It can have all of these things, but if it doesn't have a steering wheel, it is just an accident waiting to happen. This is the state that Jesus is saying this, going, you could gain everything, have all the flash things, have all the great things, have every miracle that you ever required, but if it is your soul that is lost and it is your soul that is misplaced, your soul that is unhealthy and not restored and redeemed by Jesus Christ, we are just an accident waiting to happen. And that's what I see in the story with the paralyzed man is that Jesus can go, I could have just healed your walking, I could have healed your physical ailment and you would have been happy to walk out But at some point in our life, we all reach that stage where we go, I needed more. Whether it is in this life or the day that we stand before our Lord one day and go, oh my goodness, I needed more. Is we could gain everything. Every prayer that we have for comforts and changes and miracles, and those are great. Let's keep going. Don't you dare stop praying for those things, church. But let's not stop at those points that we have a greater need. We don't need a Lord who just grants wishes. We need someone who will heal our hearts and save our souls. So let's keep praying. Let's keep asking God. Let's keep seeking Him. But not just for ourselves, but for what He wants to do in and through us. To seek what Jesus really wants and what He's really revealing in our life, that there is a deeper need in all of us that there is something, a greater miracle that He wants to do in every one of your life. No matter where you are on this Christian kind of spectrum in your buffer zone, no matter where you feel you're at, you go, I've got a long way off. Gosh, I hope no one checks my daily devotions this week. All the way through to, you know, I'm on fire, everything's great. There is a greater need every single one of us has. And I pray that we are eager to seek the things of God to say, Lord, restore my soul. Lord, do the work that only You can do. Look, a billionaire could come and give all my money and answer all my prayers, but the thing that he couldn't do is save the one thing that will last forever. Lord, we are so grateful for what you've done, but we wanna live within reference of what he's done. Hey, church, we wanna live as much as we can in reference to those things. So perhaps you're wanting a new job, a new car, a relationship, whatever it might be, fantastic. That's great. Don't stop asking. Our God is the God of miracles, the God of breakthrough. But He's the God that has answers for our deeper needs because those things won't fix you. Those things won't outside in change you or improve you. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit in and through you that will. And who you are and who you become is of greater concern to God. And I pray that while we are wrestling with this, while we are in waiting for our breakthrough, this has been my experience in life, as I said, just seeing people in my family saying, hey, I wouldn't trade the circumstance that has happened to me if it meant I lost what God has done in me. 
while we wrestle with these things, church, let's make sure we don't just neglect one on behalf of the other. We're believing for now, but also for more to come. Because it's a matter of eternity and a matter of bringing heaven to earth here and now. Would you pray with me, church? Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on that cross to do only what you could do to restore this relationship again, to see a miracle take place that, that we might never literally see before our eyes. But Lord, it is the greatest miracle, the one of salvation, the one of redemption, of restoration. Lord, it doesn't just last temporarily or until our next injury, our next ailment, or the end of our life. Lord, it is a miracle that lasts forever, that we can experience you in your presence. We step into heaven, that hope of glory that we have in you, Jesus. I'm so grateful for it. But we're believing for all these needs that we have here and now. Lord, you're just, your hand is not too short. Lord, you're not too weak. We believe you're powerful and believing for miracles and breakthroughs this morning. Lord, we're going to see it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray though this morning as well that we see salvation. Lord, for all of us who are believers, I pray you're doing a work in us, that transformation, that renewing us again, making us more and more like you today. Lord, that we go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're doing. Now in this moment, maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life before. You've never said that you wanna know Him. You might know plenty about Him, but you don't. You wanna know Him personally because that is what is on the table. And that is the thing that doesn't just shift our day to day. It changes our whole life, our whole eternity. <clears throat> what He wants to do in and through you is expressed from this decision, saying, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and Saviour. And if that's you this morning, just between you and God. No one else is looking around, just me as well, so I can pray for you in a sec. Would you just raise your hand in the air as that outward sign of the inward decision saying, Jesus, I wanna know you. Maybe you've gone away for a while. Today's the day to come back saying, Lord, I'm, I, I don't wanna live without reference to you anymore. Today's the day. I'm coming back. I'm so grateful that you heal my greater need. Thank you. Awesome. Anyone, thank you so much. Fantastic. That's great. All right, church, would we pray together for these people making this decision? And I also want you to, to picture those people in your lives, your friends, your family, co-workers, whoever, that you, you just want, you want them to step into this relationship as well. You want them to have that encounter with Jesus. It can't just be about a nice Christian club on the corner of Human Spring. That this, we've got to believe and pray that He might do this miracle all throughout this city, yeah? Great, let's pray together. Father, I thank You that You have revealed Yourself to Your kids <coughs> because of the work You did on the cross, Jesus. Lord, we are now children of God, sons and daughters, and there's a position that You freely gave. Lord, it will not be, it can't be taken from us because You freely gave it to us. And I pray that You keep us that on that path. Lord, it might be a narrow path, but You keep us there. Oh, lead us, Holy Spirit, uh, to be faithful to You to grab hold of the things that are our deeper needs and believe for everything along the way as well, that we see heaven on earth, your will be done and your kingdom come here and now. Lord, help us step into your freedom, into your purpose, that we live more and more like you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. 
If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.